Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Pastor Benjamin, thank you so much for that rich history. I was only aware of a piece of that. And I'm moving this just so I don't trip and look silly. Good morning. My name is Pastor Leon McKenzie, and I serve as the associate pastor here at Redeemer Community Church. It is such an incredible blessing to see your faces unmasked. Some of you are masked. Still great to see your eyes as well. Praise the Lord. I feel just like Mary. I think she's, she left. She went back downstairs. I feel just like her. The Spirit of the Lord was clearly here in a special way this morning. Um, there's been a handful of times here at Redeemer that I felt like running back into my charismatic, my Pentecostal days and just running and shouting, but um, I didn't want to scare any visitors out of here, so, um, but just know I was about this close. I was ready, man. God has been so good. God has been so good, and so we're grateful to him. If you are a visitor, if this is your first time being here, I'd like to extend an extra special an extra warm welcome to you. Thank you so much for choosing to worship with us. You'll notice in the seat around here, we have these cards here, visitor cards. If you'd please fill one of these out for us and drop it in the offering basket sometime after service. Um, drop it there and we will get in contact with you. We'd love to connect with you, potentially take you out to coffee or lunch on us and just get to know you a little bit more and, and get have you know a little bit more about our church. Amen. Amen. And Brian, there's this like pinging happening, if you can hear it. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. So if there's, if there's nothing else, there's nothing else. We'll jump into our sermon this morning. If you remember a couple weeks ago when I preached, how many, how many of you remember me preaching a couple weeks ago? All right. Pastor Drew remembers. Thank you. Praise the Lord. All right. I must have said something. Amen. But if you remember me preaching a couple we preached on 1 John, and we talked a little bit about the three witnesses that witnessed the identity, the truth. Three witnesses. Who were they? What were they? The water, the blood, and the spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Look at that. Man. Praise the Lord. That's, I'm, man. Praise the Lord. But yeah, there were the three and the Spirit. In another book written by the same Apostle John, it's the Gospel of John, and we're going to be talking about two of those witnesses, particularly the water and the Spirit. But we're not going to be talking about how they attest to the truth of Jesus, rather we're going to be talking about their role in the process of being born again or born from above, the process of the new birth. Amen. Now, before we jump into this, I do want to address something that come up in our hearts and minds this process of being born again, uh, particularly just that phrase, being born again. You may have heard the term born again Christian. And unfortunately, that term has been highly politicized over the last couple of decades or so, right? And so if that term somehow evokes in you feelings that are negative, or even if it evokes positive uh, emotions in you, that's fine either way. However, wherever you fall on that, on that fence, on that, that, that paradigm, whatever you call it, I want you to open your mind to not a political term or a cultural term, but a term that Jesus defines as necessary for the follower of Christ, someone who believes in his, believes in his name. Because that's ultimately what matters in the, in, the, in the big scheme of things, right? What Jesus says about a thing, and not what po a po politics or politician says about things. So open your 
mind to that. And we're going to be what does Jesus mean when he says that we must be born again or born from above? All right. And so we're coming from John chapter three, the gospel of John, not the letter of John, chapter three, verses one through eight. If you want to read in your Bibles along, read it. We'll pray together and dig in. So John chapter three, and it reads, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit, the Lord. Please pray with me, friends. Lord Jesus, I, I'm overwhelmed by your goodness to us this day, that it's been a really difficult, trying year and a half, but you've been so kind to bring us back together again in a new space, in a new building to worship. And, oh, Lord, I thank you for being present as we worship and poured our hearts to you in singing and in praise. Lord, we pray that you'd be willing to be with us in the preaching of this sermon, that you would grant us all ears to hear. You'd grant us soft hearts to receive exactly what it is you want to say to us through sermon your word. Oh, Lord, that you would grant me grace upon grace. And you would grant me the help of the Holy Spirit that your word will be proclaimed with clarity and that your people would that we would be saved, that we would be changed, encouraged, convicted, inspired in every way to be the beloved children, sons and daughters of God that I know you desire us to be this day. May your name be glorified. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And so right before our passage, right before John chapter 3, John, the apostle, he tells us that Jesus was in Jerusalem during the Passover, celebrating the feast of the Passover as Jews did. And while he was there, many people believed in him because of the signs he'd been performing. But John tells us a very interesting thing about something that was inside of Jesus. People around wouldn't have been able to see it. It was something that was happening inside. Just, oh man. I I enjoy using my hands. I just have one hand. So there's going to be a whole lot of one hand gesturing today. Okay, a whole lot of this. All right. But we don't know exactly what's going on inside 
of Jesus. But John gives us a, a, a look inside and he tells us that even though there were so many people believing in Jesus, Jesus did not entrust himself to them. And that's very interesting because what we know here at Redeemer and what we preach every Sunday here at Redeemer is that salvation, right? Getting into saving relationship with Jesus is based on one thing. And what's that? Believing. Faith is all that is necessary for salvation. So why is it that Jesus would not entrust himself in saving relationship to these people who John tells us believed in him? Well, as we go on in the passage, that's essentially what we'll find out today. Why wouldn't Jesus entrust himself to these people? And so that leads us to John chapter 3, verse 1, our passage this morning. And John, the apostle John who wrote this, he transitions to saying, although there were many people who believed in Jesus in chapter 2, in John chapter 3 he says, but there was one person. Right? There were many who believed, but there was one person who actually came to Jesus. And this man happened to be Nicodemus, the, the Jewish ruler, the Pharisee, a member of the leading religious sect of the day. And John gives us another important clue in here, something important he says about Nicodemus, and it happens to be about the way he comes to see Jesus. John tells us that he came to see Jesus at night. And we don't know. In the Bible, they're not very particular about specific times. That's why you rarely receive a specific time in the Bible. The point of communication here from John is not to say that Jesus came at a specific time, be it late in the evening or early in the wee morning, or the wee hours of the morning. But it's, it's more to just tell us that Nicodemus came to see Jesus while it was dark outside. He came to see Jesus under the cover of dark. And the Bible leads us to believe that John, I mean, excuse me, that Nicodemus came to see Jesus under the cover of dark simply because he was afraid. As a leading religious leader of the day, of the sect of the Pharisees who were clearly outwardly antagonistic or against Jesus, he didn't want his people to see that he was coming to speak to Jesus, essentially their enemy. So he comes under the cover of dark. And I've gone back and forth. If you remember any of my sermons, I think I've preached one sermon where I said Nicodemus came uh, just at dark because he was just happened to be free at that time. What else was he doing at night? I've said at other times he was afraid. I'm going to say that right now I've landed fairly squarely on the point that Nicodemus was afraid. That's where I am now. Hopefully I stay here. But I say that he was afraid because of where Jesus goes in their interaction. And so go with me here and prayerfully you'll be able to see it as well. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus under the cover of night. And in verse two, we read that he says to Jesus, he says, rabbi or teacher, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And so Nicodemus comes affirming some very true things about Jesus, right? One, that he's a teacher and two, that he's sent from God. So Nicodemus is affirming that he does believe in Jesus to some degree, and to the degree that he believes in Jesus, he's accurate, right? He's accurate in his belief. But to this, to what, what Nicodemus says, 
Jesus replies, very truly, or, 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 or and emphatically, Jesus is saying, listen, what I'm about to tell you is doubly true. I need you to pay extra attention to what I'm about to say. So he says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, this word that is translated here, again, is actually not in the original Greek, if you're interested in all of that. The word is actually above. And so what Jesus is saying is this. He says, literally, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born from above. Essentially being born from God, born of where God is, born from above. And we've talked on several occasions here at Redeemer about the meaning of this phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, right? It's, it's wherever the rule or reign of God resides. So we've talked about the kingdom of God being in our hearts, right? God ruling and reigning in our hearts. We've talked about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God being in the here and now where we go out and we seek to love others and care for others because that's what God compels us to do, right? He's the benevolent king that loves and cares for others, right? But we've also talked about, and this is where we're going today, the fullness of Jesus' kingdom, being when he comes at the end of time and he redeems and restores all things to himself, right? That's essentially what we're talking about when we say that we go to heaven. That's what it means. It means to stand with Jesus in his kingdom when he comes in all of his glory. And that's what John is talking about here. This is what Jesus is saying when he said, no one will see the kingdom of God. Essentially, he's saying no one will stand with Jesus in a place of honor when he comes in his fullness unless that person has been born again or born from above. You follow me so far, friends? All right. All right. So essentially, he's talking about salvation. He's talking about salvation. So, why is this important for Nicodemus to hear? Why is it important for Nicodemus to hear this? Well, it's because Nicodemus needs to know what separates true believers or saved believers from people like those in chapter 2. He needs to know what's the difference between people who believed in Jesus yet did not receive Jesus in saving relationship. He needs to know what's separating him who comes to Jesus or what could separate him from those to whom Jesus would not entrust himself, right? That's, that, that's, what, that's, that's what he needs to know. That's, that, this is what Jesus is trying to get him to see. He needs to be, he needs to, he has to see what needs to happen in him for him to not be the kind of people that Jesus saw right through, right? What would be different? Nicodemus needs to see that in order for him to be in the kingdom of God, in order for him to have this eternal life, this salvation that he sought, that he must be born from above. And what Jesus also needs him to see is that mere mental assent, right, merely just understanding or even just believing on a surface level truth about Jesus or even truth about the gospel is not enough for Jesus to entrust himself to someone in a saving or redeeming relationship. 
Jesus needs Nicodemus to see, and he needs us to see, that all belief or all faith is not saving faith or saving belief. Listen to what the apostle James says in James chapter 2, verses 18 through 19. He says, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Well, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe this, and they shudder. So all belief is not saving belief. Just because you believe some things about Jesus doesn't mean that you and Jesus are all good. So it's necessary that those who believe in Jesus be born again or born from above. And before we get any further, okay, before we get any further, I want you guys to whip out your pens. Okay, you have it. Big word, big word coming now, big theological word. It's this word, regeneration. I see you, Christy. Go ahead and get that pen out there. Let's do this. It's regeneration, okay? And this word means... It said it should be up here. Yeah. The unmistakable change in the heart of a person who will have true saving faith in Jesus. Okay. The unmistakable, even necessary change in the heart of a person who will have saving and true faith in Jesus. And as we look, continue to talk about Jesus' interaction with Nicodemus, we'll look at this process and what it will mean specifically for Nicodemus and then generally, in a larger sense, what it means for all of us who would be followers of Jesus. And so as we go on in the story, looking back at Nicodemus, Nicodemus responds to Jesus by asking a very normal, very reasonable question. He says, Jesus, what does this mean by being born again? Do you mean that a man can enter his, his mother's womb again? Do you mean that a man can be born when he's already old, when he's already adult and mature? What do you mean by this? And here's the, here's the, the interesting thing, right? We got to remember who Nicodemus is. Nicodemus is a spiritual leader. He's a ruler of the religious sect. And yet he can't understand that Jesus is not talking about merely physical things. His mind can't get down to spiritual things because Jesus is speaking about a, a spiritual reality. But Jesus goes on to speak clearly, to make it clear, to make it plain. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, he says, listen, this is what being born again, born again means, okay? It means that you must be born of the water and of the spirit. To be born again means to be born of the water and of the spirit. And that's where we're going to stay the rest of this sermon. Okay, that's what we're going to stay the rest of the sermon, talking about what it means to be born of the water and of the spirit and what this means for those of us who would have true saving faith in Jesus. And so first, let's talk about the water. It should pop up here. When we talk about being born of the water, we're talking about baptism or more broadly, living out in public what we believe in private. So baptism or living out publicly what we believe privately. So what does baptism have to do with someone being born again or born from above? Let's look back at the circumstances surrounding Nicodemus. When did Nicodemus come to see Jesus? When did he come? At night. He came under the cover of dark because he was afraid of what people would say. But you see, baptism is altogether the opposite of coming to Jesus or coming to God secretly. 
okay? Because baptism essentially is the sacrament through which we, or believing parents in the sake of infant baptism, publicly confess allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism is the way that we publicly confess that we are identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, and where we publicly assume our place in the family of God. And so Jesus is telling Nicodemus very clearly that you cannot love me, you cannot be born again if you want to believe me in secret. Saving faith in Jesus cannot be faith in the dark. You know, over the past few sermons, past couple of sermons, I let the cat out the bag. I let you guys in a little bit, a peek into the the odd mind of of Leon. And you learn that I love R&B music, right? I'm not singing for you guys again. That was a one once in a lifetime occurrence. I'm not singing for you guys again, but I sang an R&B song. But I love R&B music. I love '90s R&B music particularly. Uh, Drew and Benjamin have been trying to get me into country, and I keep trying to tell them, on on principle, on principle, I can't get in the country. So you guys can keep that, huh? Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad, Ben. I apologize, bro. My bad. Because that was an insult. You're right. My bad. Barry and Drew. Barry has been trying to get in that. On principle, I can't get into that. I'm sorry. But I love R&B music. You guys, you guys have, have figured that out. And my favorite singer, R&B or otherwise, my favorite singer of all time is Luther Vandross. I love him. He's a little bit predates me slightly, but still love Luther. And in the 90s, Luther had a famous, he had a hit song. It was called Your Secret Love. You remember that song? Okay. I'm not going to sing it, but but I'll say some of the lyrics for you. Okay, I'll say some of the lyrics for you. I feel tempted to sing it now, but I'm not going to. I'll say some of the lyrics, right? Okay. The lyrics go a little bit like this. It says, your secret love. Why can't we tell somebody? Because secret loves never last as long. Your secret love will never be your true love. Your secret love will never be your true love. Okay, see. (laughs) And what Luther is saying, or what he would say about this particular text is this, brothers and sisters, That without public profession of our love for Jesus, Jesus does not entrust himself in a redeeming and saving relationship. Believing in Jesus and loving Jesus means to love him out loud. Right? It means to love him out loud. Hear what Jesus says in Luke chapter 9 verse 26. And these these are some hard words, friends. But Jesus said, he says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the father and of his holy angels. In other words, Jesus is saying that if anyone chooses to keep their faith in him secret, particularly for fear of what other people may think then Jesus won't acknowledge them when he comes in the fullness of his glory. 
And it's important for us to see, too, friends, that secret love, trying to believe in Jesus in the dark, is not a biblical idea. Okay, when we look at the early Christians, right, when we look at the book of Acts, it's very clear. It's very clear. They fully expected to be persecuted, to be ridiculed, to have a hard time for loving Jesus. They fully expected that to be the case. They fully expected for many of them for it to be the end of their life when they publicly, publicly professed their allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. And for many of them, it was just that. It was just that. I like the way David Garland put it, a scholar. He says, Jesus expects the disciples to be willing to join the ranks of the despised and doomed. They must be ready to deny themselves even to the point of giving their lives. Brothers and sisters, loving Jesus means to love him out loud, and loving him out loud means to tell people about Jesus. Loving Jesus out loud means to serve others in his name. Loving Jesus out loud means to stand for morality in his name, to stand for justice in his name, to stand for advocacy in his name. Allying yourself with Jesus, loving Jesus, believing in Jesus means for it to be obvious to others that there is something going on with you. Because you are connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so our takeaway from this point, brothers and sisters, is that being born of water means to undergo baptism But more explicitly, it means to live out publicly, to live out loud the inward love that you have for your Savior. Amen? Amen. And so here are some questions we could ask ourselves, friends, to know if we're truly loving Jesus publicly or living for him publicly the way we love him privately. Would someone be surprised if they found out that you went to church on Sunday mornings, right? Would someone be surprised that they found out that you read your Bible? Would someone be surprised that you even claimed the name Christian or Christ follower? These are some great indicators as as to whether or not you're loving Jesus out loud. One of the greatest compliments I've ever received is when someone says, hey, you seem seem like a a spiritual person, like a a Christian. Um, You know, that's one of the blessings. Probably the greatest, the greatest insult, and they probably weren't being insulting, but the greatest, most offensive, hurtful thing I've ever heard someone say is, oh, wow, you go to church? That's extremely disappointing for those of us who say we love the Lord to have someone say that to us. We should love him out loud and it should be clear. And so we are to be born of the water. But Jesus says we're also to be born of the spirit. And Jesus goes on to give a pretty awesome illustration of what it looks like, what it means to be born of the Spirit, and we'll get to talk about it. But for just for clarity, let's talk about point two. It should be up here. Being born of the Spirit means to bear the fruit of the Spirit. 
Okay, being born of the spirit means to to have in you some of that character of God, the character of the spirit coming out of you to some degree. And let's look at what Jesus says in verse seven of our passage this morning. He says, you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And what Jesus goes on to do and what he does here is he explains a very supernatural, a very supernatural occurrence with a very natural thing. And he does this over and over in the Bible. That's what all the parables are themselves. And this is considered a small or short parable of Jesus. And what he says is essentially the working of the spirit in a man, right? Being born of the spirit is a lot like the wind. And here's a really cool thing, just so you guys can understand how infinitely smart Jesus is. In the Greek, the word for spirit and the word for wind is the same word. That's how crazy. Man, I feel the same way, Jesse. And so Jesus tells him, he says, listen, the work of the spirit essentially is like the work of the spirit. That's, that's that's, That's what he's hearing. He says, you can't see where it comes from or where it's going. He says, but when it hits the trees, you know it was there because you see the trees move, right? You say, you can't see the moving air. You can't see the wind, right? But it's like when it blows the roof off of a house, you know it was there because of the damage done, right? And what Jesus is saying essentially is this. Although we cannot see or fully understand how the Holy Spirit works, When the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit hits the natural flesh of man, it leaves an indelible and unmistakable mark of change in the life of that man. You might not know exactly how it happens, but you know when it has happened. And now for Nicodemus, this was huge. Because, you see, Nicodemus was an important and successful religious leader of the day, right? If there was anybody who people would look at and say, oh, that person has experienced the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, they would say him, right? Because he knew to follow the religious laws. He knew all of the doctrine and the religious words and the big words and all of that stuff. And they would say, oh, that man is is him. But unfortunately, like them, right? Unfortunately, they got it mixed up. And unfortunately, we sometimes get it mixed up too. We see how successful someone is, right? We see how big of a church they can build, how big of a following on social media they can garner. We see how many albums they sell, how many books they sell, how many arenas they sell out. And we automatically assume that, ah, there goes someone who has experienced the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. But brothers and sisters, hear this. There is a difference between the Holy Spirit at work in or on a life and the Holy Spirit at work through a life. Remember, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit worked through a donkey in Numbers 22, right? Remember that the Holy Spirit worked through Judas, the betrayer of Jesus, who went around healing and delivering as well. Amen? And listen to what Jesus says about people whom the Spirit merely works through and not in. In Matthew chapter 7, he says, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. 
Then I will tell them plainly. Don't miss that Jesus here identifies himself as the Lord. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Friends, there are many who will have experienced the work of the Holy Spirit through them, but will not be with Jesus in his kingdom. To be born of the Spirit means to have the Holy Spirit at work in you and not just through you. The evidence of being born in the Holy Spirit, please don't get it mixed up, of being born of the Spirit, it's not successful ministry. Okay? It's not a huge following. It's definitely not a large bank account. I hope not, boy, I tell you. It's not a large bank account. God can do these things for and through anyone. Anyone. The evidence of being born of the Spirit is bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And the Bible tells us that these fruit are evident. They're obvious. They're unmistakable. And most of us can say them from memory. They're love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Where we see these in increasing measure, we can tell that the Spirit has been here. The evidence that the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit is at work in the heart of a person is that they will bear this, these obvious, very evident, these very hard-to-miss fruit. They will have the very character of God Almighty shining through them as a beloved son or daughter of God. And so, friends, I want you to hear me this morning. Don't worry. Don't bother yourself with those who hijack the term being born again. Don't, don't, don't worry yourself with that. Because the truth of the scripture, the truth of what Jesus says will stand no matter who tries to hijack his language. No matter who tries to hijack his word. Brothers and sisters, listen, it doesn't matter if you are Republican or Democrat. It does not matter if you are black, white, or other. Okay? It does not matter if you're domestic or foreign. It does not matter if you are documented or undocumented. If anyone will see the kingdom of God, there is only one way. You must be born again. You must be born from above. You must be born of the spirit and the water. And that's all that Jesus is concerned about. Does not matter what box we check on political forms or political surveys. It does not matter where you align yourself here, brothers and sisters. All that matters is what Jesus says. And Jesus says that we must be born again. Let's pray, friends. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, I do thank you that technology worked well this morning as well. And I just pray that you would bless every one of my brothers and sisters, that you would show your love to us in such a way that we would indeed be men and women who are born of the water and the spirit, that we would indeed be those who profess you publicly without shame. And Lord God, we would be those 
who are bearing the fruit of the Spirit and increasing measure in our life as you continue to persevere with us in this walk of faith. We love and we thank you in Jesus' name. I pray you remove every barrier and every heart and mind from trusting your truth and themselves and ourselves being saved. May your will be done and your name be glorified, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.